I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Monday, August 31, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? Well, we have a plethora of things on the docket today. We have an uptrend. We have an end of the day drop in the market that could be meaningful. We're going to talk about that. We have the bigger picture. We have the monthly close. We're going to talk about that. Before we really get going, let's discuss the elephant in the room. Where was the weekend video? There was no weekend video. My apologies, I took the weekend off. If there was tremendous market activity on Friday, I wouldn't have done that. But nothing really happened between Thursday to Friday. It's still in the midst of the melt-up. It was within the boundaries of the summer doldrums, so I took the weekend off. Alright, let's get back to the daily chart. Let's discuss the broader picture. What do we have on the board when we look at the daily chart? What jumps off the page? Well, it's still in an uptrend, rising moving averages, and at the same time, the market is getting a little far extended away from home base. What's home base? The 20 period moving average, and we know at times it can, but most of the time, it doesn't get too far away from home base before doing what? Either going sideways and letting home base catch up to price or coming back toward home base, which would be quote-unquote working off either way, is working off some of the quote-unquote oversold condition, which there is no measurement for. That's the issue. The market could stay oversold indefinitely, not necessarily forever indefinitely, but longer than people ever believe that it can. So when you try and pick a top at new highs, it's very, very difficult. You're going to be wrong way more times than you're going to be right is the problem. Let's talk about something else. We're leading into the Labor Day weekend. So we said for the last probably couple of weeks that the market could really just float up, melt up into the Labor Day weekend. Here we are the week before the Labor Day weekend. Now here's what I'll say. That's certainly a possibility, but here's my issue with it. It's the prevailing wisdom. I hate the prevailing wisdom. I like being in places that nobody else looks. And with that said, we have a couple of things going on. I'm going to use that same concept on two different scenarios. So on the first scenario with Labor Day, I like the scenario of, I think, and let's qualify this, this is an opinion, nothing more, nothing less. I think that this week at some point, is a pretty good day, or this week has the potential for a pretty good day where they pull the rug out. Doesn't have to be a collapse, just something that nobody can see coming. They'll tie it to a piece of news, no doubt. Now remember, that's just an opinion because it's against the prevailing wisdom. It's against the grain. But here's the thing. Under normal market conditions, the majority of the time, you're going to float up into the Labor Day weekend. They'll make it look from time to time, like maybe they'll pull back like at the end of the day today, and we'll take a look at that when we get down to a shorter time frame chart. But all in all, if the volume remains non-existent, if the sellers stay on strike, the melt-up continues, the band plays on through the Labor Day weekend. And by the way, when the market decides time is up, time is up. 
Sometimes we can identify when time is up. Under normal conditions, we can use some tools that are taught in the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader. But there are other times where the market's just doing its own thing. It's on a melt-up. It's in no man's land. And guess what? The market will turn when time is up. There's a day. There's a time. It's just we don't know what it is. Or maybe better stated, I don't know when it is. I know it's coming. I know what to look for. Therefore, we don't really have to know when it is. It would be nice to know, but they don't tell us. They don't send us a postcard. In fact, nobody sends postcards anymore. Other than advertisements, of course. Let's switch gears for a second. What happened into the end of the day? All of a sudden, the market was making new highs. They were getting above Friday's high, and they had another destination above Friday's high, which is the overnight futures high. So somewhere in between, if not all the way home, the market did have additional destinations based on the futures activity from Sunday night into Monday. All of a sudden, a lot of volume hits into the last few minutes of the day. In fact, it was basically the last 10 minutes of the day, magnified by the last minute of the day. Did something happen there? What happened there? I'm sure there's a piece of news already attached to it. Unbeknownst to me, I have no idea, nor do I care. All I do know is they dove down below 350. 350 is an important number. It's a big fat round number. It's psychological. They got below it. They closed below it. It's psychologically important to the market participants. Case in point, I just said it. You think it's important. Therefore, it becomes important because you believe I know what I'm talking about. Whether I do know what I'm talking about or not is a different topic altogether. If you think I know and you buy the story that below 350 is an important thing, then it becomes an important thing. And if you multiply that times a lot of traders, a lot of analysts that believe it's important, other people believe it's important, it becomes the self-fulfilling prophecy. We can draw a parallel with gold, for example. Now, forget about the fact that maybe gold's going up because of the fear of inflation. That's fine. Other times, gold goes up, quote-unquote, because of the panic trade. That's fine. Who determines which one it is at what time? In reality, gold goes up because other people than you think gold's going up because of whatever reason they think it's going up for, therefore they buy it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. We can never prove or disprove the reasons that get put forth in the media. That's the reality of things. There's obviously exception to the rule. Something big happens, it causes an immediate reaction in one direction or another. Obviously, we can draw the conclusion that that is the spark that sent the market, and this is where I come in, where it was going to go anyway. We're going to get back to the SPY in a few moments. We're going to talk about something that a whole lot of people out there are talking about. So we're going to talk about it too. First, we're going to shift gears again and we're going to take a look inside the numbers. Now, the other thing I mentioned is now classified as a tease, but we will come back and talk about it. First thing in the morning, wake up green, the melt-up operation continues. Early on, we're already talking about the big fat round numbers, ES3500 and SPY350. They will come back around. And we will come back around to stocks on the move, moving right along. 
So what I urge you to do, we're going to point out a few important things, but other than that, there's other stuff in here that if you're interested in knowing whether or not this is valuable information for those traders that are active or want to be active with the market during the trading day, whether it's in the SPY, a like index, such as SSO or SDS or some of the triple ETFs even, and they're not ETFs, they're ETNs, exchange traded notes. They don't actually have anything inside. Some traders play the option market all against the S&P 500. Also, in the early going, before the opening bell, we had our sights set on if they had an early shakeout operation, where would the buyers step in? And we're right over here at the 915 post. So the area of 34.93 and SPY 349.35, give or take. On an early shakeout operation, that's the area of interest. That's where the buy the dip folks are going to show up. Moving right along. Now the market started out quiet. We had a couple of trades hit in the early going from stocks on the move. Now seems like a good time to bring up a five minute chart of the SPY. Right of the vertical is today's activity. The horizontal is, you guessed it, 349.30. So here's the point that I want to make. The market did not come down first thing in the morning to that spot, 349.30. What you'll see in the notes, and I'm going to run through the notes, but this is really the highlight in terms of numbers for the day. The pivot was 350. 349.30 was the actual spot, give or take. I'm using 349.30. I could have easily said 25 or 35. It doesn't really matter. The point is that the market came down in the midday, around lunchtime or slightly before. Here's 11.30 a.m., making a low of about 3.49. It was 3.49.09. They reversed back up and produced what would have been a good trade had I taken it, but what I did was, and I told the Inside the Numbers members, that at that point in time, it wasn't the same trade that it would have been early in the morning. Now, as far as I'm concerned, that remains the case. It was wrong, however, it did provide support for a long time for the rest of the day. But to me, it still wasn't the same trade. So since treating it like a business is really what I try and do day in and day out, because it wasn't the same trade in the middle of the day, with already a good start to the week from Stocks on the Move, we'll get to that later, I was, in fact, a wuss and not willing to step up to the plate. And if I have a good reason why, I'm going to state it inside the numbers. Right, wrong, or indifferent, that doesn't preclude me from telling it the way it is. I don't really care if it's right, wrong, or indifferent on any given time. Let's get a scroll going, and what you can do is pause the video any point you like, read the notes, and then go back to the chart and see what happened. You got the mainstay of what was in the notes. We know 350 was a pivot. They were trying to get above... They were trying to get above Friday's high. You'll see that in the notes. And then that infamous 349.30, which you'll notice, we didn't talk about it just then, but you'll notice they finished the day right on top of that number. So here's what was going on late morning. I gave the reason why I like that spot. It was, in fact, two areas. It was an hourly chart, breakup candle low, and the former breakout area, the most recent breakout area. That was the reason for the spot. Nothing more, nothing less. So I gave it to you, meaning inside the numbers members, lock, stock, and barrel. There was a better spot that I liked, which was lower. Now, if the market's coming down to a spot I liked at one point early on, 
and I don't like it anymore, well, there has to be another spot I like. Well, I put it on the board. 348.30, give or take. And still moving right along. You'll see 350 is the pivot. Then here's another picture. This one is the IWM. We'll get to the IWM. It was doing something different than the SPY. I think it was worth noting. We'll get there when we get there. We don't need to do it right here. Let's get through these notes. You can pause it, read them, do whatever you like. What we're going to do from here is go down to stocks on the move because we did have two hit their price objectives or targets on the downside from the opening print. WMT, also known as Walmart. And the other one was FSLY. The others did not hit their price objectives. They hit somebody else's price objectives. Therefore, we don't want them. We want our price, not somebody else's price. Let's start with Walmart. Pretty garden variety. Just a very, very slow mover. The closing price on Friday, 140.30. Haircut at the opening bell. Gave a little bit of a trade early on off the 136.64 on the board. Came back in, never got to the second number, and then decided to finally take off to the upside. Finishing on a nice rally into the high of the day. What was the catalyst for the trade? There was a gap. Wasn't the only catalyst, but it was a pretty darn good one. How about Fastly, F-S-L-Y. This one, and what you saw if you read through the notes is, traders that painted by the numbers, they ended up with a nice ride. You got an average cost in between A and B. Bottom line, never look back. Getting all the way to $93. And we did have traders that rode this all day long. Anybody that asked me the target, and it was actually in the notes too, it was 92.50 to 93, long before price even got there. That was the prize. Here it is, the 220 post. The ultimate prize today would be about 93 or so. That was for the few traders that were still in FSLY. That was 220 in the afternoon. How do you know 93 ahead of time? Magic, of course. Let's have a serious conversation. The month closed. Look at the spiders. Look at the S&P 500 on monthly close. On one hand, it's a very, very strong monthly close being able to close above the prior high. On the other hand, we have to have the awareness that everything ends. Regardless of for how long it ends for, everything comes to an end. This rally has to come to an end. It's on a melt-up. We don't know when, all that stuff, blah, 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 but it will come to an end. I also said there was something else that a lot of different traders, a lot of people are talking about. I'm getting a lot of emails about it. We're talking about Megaphone Monday. I got tons of emails about a Megaphone pattern, not just on Monday. They've been coming in of late. So I know that they're being discussed on YouTube, on blogs, all over the place. That's the way this works. You guys are reading stuff. You want to know more. So you say, hey, let's find out what he thinks. So you bring it up to me, see what I say. That's common, normal, garden variety people behavior. So what about the megaphone? Well, let's talk about one side of the megaphone. Why not both sides of the megaphone? By the way, what is the megaphone? Well, there's a couple of different things going on. There's a couple of different ways to draw trend lines, whether you want to draw them from the 09 lows, you want to draw them from 2011, 2012. There's a couple of different things going on. I have played 
with the trend lines. I'll give you an example or two. Just from the standpoint of 2011, there's two trend lines going here. One connects the low that's from February of 2016, and that doesn't really go anywhere else. Then you have another low that connects the recent low from this year. Now, we would suspect that that's important, so I'm okay with having a trend line there. You go back to 2009, and I put another line, and it actually splits the difference. That's the line that's just slightly north of in between the first two. Which one is meaningful? We don't know. We can make a case for either one. That's where this becomes part art form, part science. What if I did something like that where I take the low and I start to connect it up noticing that the market has really been riding this trend line. This trend line has been providing resistance and now you can make a case that we just closed the month above that trend line. That's interesting. Maybe it's not drawn in correctly. Maybe we didn't close the month above the trend line. Maybe it's right on the trend line. Nobody has a patent on the right way to do this. Why don't I care about the southern stuff? Why don't I care about the bottom portion of said megaphone? Because do you have any idea how much stuff has to happen? We're looking at a monthly chart. Each candle is a month. Do you have any idea how many months and months and months it's likely to happen to revisit or visit down toward the bottom of this megaphone once again? Now, even if, even if it was two or three, like it was before. We don't have to worry about the bottom portion until they're on the way there. That's why this is really all I see right now. Something, one of those trend lines where the market is telling us, right? It's not me drawing the trend line. It's not you drawing the trend line. It's not somebody else. The market is drawing this trend line by making these pivot tops or pivot bottoms, and therefore all we're doing is connecting the dots. All right, what about Camp IWM? Closed below the 20 period moving average today. It seems to be in concert with that image that we put for inside the numbers earlier in the day. Here's a 120 minute chart, and you can see even here, below the 50 and 20 period moving average, heading lower out of a bearish wedgish kind of thing after a breakdown candle target 100 period moving average 154 154 and a half in that neighborhood it's not tremendously far away but that's the near-term picture of what's on this particular tape however we always have to have the awareness of everything when we look at the weekly chart we must have the awareness what's going on. What's going on is the makings of another bull flaggish type of pattern. Now, the risk in a bull flag pattern, and if you want to draw it out, you basically have the flag in the very upper portion of the pole, right? The pole is here, it's the breakup candle, and the flag is up here. The risk on a bull flag pattern is that price comes down and breaks the flag formation but it doesn't break the fact that you're inside of a breakup candle, so it turns into a bullish wedgish kind of thing, and you would still be above these moving averages. So on a weekly basis, we're not calling for an all-out collapse in the market in the IWM. What we're saying is that on a short-term basis, looks kind of bearish, and even if they come down a little bit out of 
this weekly bull flaggish kind of thing doesn't really break the trend from a weekly perspective. You have to look at the thing holistic. What happens if you get below these moving averages and the low of this breakup candle? Well, then the thing collapses. We know that. Let's take a look at the RSP. I'm kind of rolling back the thing a little bit because it should follow the SPY, but I forgot. This is the equal weight S&P. So here's one. It was down 8 tenths of 1%. The SPY was down about 3 tenths of 1%. Interesting puzzle piece on the table. It really speaks to the breadth underneath the tape. When you look at the NASDAQ, and we'll look at that later, once again, we have some runaway stocks really pulling up some of these markets that put them in the redonkulous. Here's a side note. Zoom reports earnings after the bell. The stock's up 20% on the day. Really? It is what it is. It's in the midst of the melt-up. It's in the redonkulous. But at the end of the day... This is not the way the market works. Not over the long term when reality sets in. Here's a monthly chart of Zoom based on today's close, three and a quarter. At present, as I make this video, 357. Really? It's a vertical move. It will come to an end and it will end badly. Where does it end? Ask the people that shorted Apple or Tesla or Amazon. Same story. You just don't know until you know. How do you know? You look for signs and signal of a trend change. They're taught right in the course, lazy e-mini trader. These things start from an intraday perspective. They morph onto the daily chart and beyond. Transports. What about the folks down at the transportation department? They made a new high today, finished at the low. Technically speaking, in my book, that's a reversal candle finishing below Friday's low, down 1.2% on the day, and guess what? My second favorite market leading indicator, and I can't say this enough, A number one, canary in the coal mine. IWM down 1% today, transports down 1.2%. It's a divergence from the NASDAQ and from an S&P that was flat to up most of the day. Here's what happens with divergences. They'll resolve themselves one way or the other. Either the IWM and the transports will flip around and start going up again, or the S&P's gonna have a little bit of air come out of the bubble. How about the folks out in Silicon Valley? Up almost 1% today, almost three bucks in the queues. Again, Amazon up 55 bucks, Apple up 3%, Netflix up. It's not widespread participation, but the queues are misweighted. They're top-heavy. That's why I like looking at the RSP. How about the XLF? How about a little alphabet soup? Down over 1% today. Again, you're lumping the financials in with the transports, in with the IWM. These are all signs. They're all signals. They're all signs and signal of trend change. Short-term trend change. Maybe it morphs into more, but we start with one thing before you get to the next thing. Remember, you got the Labor Day week thing working against the bears. And then you got the me thing against the prevailing wisdom working against the prevailing wisdom. Why don't you figure that one out? So what do we really have in the XLF? Well, number one, we're above three out of the four moving averages. They could certainly build some energy to get through the 200-period moving average and this pivot high here. On the other hand, we can look at it another way and say you have a high, you have a lower high, and you have a potential third lower high. We don't know yet, but if you start getting below the 20-period moving average, 
Case is pretty good for a third lower high. I'd be looking for more downside. Smash Mouth. Telling us anything today? No. Rounding error, 27 cents. Move it along. If I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you, without you, these videos are not possible. True and accurate information. I'm David Frost. We're going to pull the ripcord here today, but I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.